Welcome to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate. Welcome to Real Time Real Estate. I'm Felicia Crawford Randall, Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at St. Louis Realtors. Today, I will be having what I know will be an enlightening conversation with certified DEI professional and owner of Valued LLC, Micah Mims. Micah, thanks so much for joining me today and for your awesome presentation last month at our Can We Talk seminar focused on empowering and supporting the LGBTQ plus community in their home search. Thank you so much for having me. And for those listeners who are not aware, the Can We Talk series focuses on solutions to problems diverse communities face. We hoped participants would walk away with some information and resources to educate them on how they can better serve the LGBTQ plus community. There were some takeaways from your presentation, Micah, that I'm hoping we can discuss. But first, tell us a little bit about your background and experience. Absolutely. It's it's a little bit of a uh, taking the unbeaten path. <laughs> um, so I was a collegiate basketball player, um, which actually led me to coaching at the collegiate level because they say once you can no longer do, you teach. Um, so I was a collegiate basketball coach for about eight to nine years. I began my career at Southwest Minnesota State University uh, while I attained my master's in business administration with a leadership concentration. Um, I then continued my career as an assistant basketball coach at Culver Stockton College. And then I circled back up to my alma mater in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, as the head women's basketball coach for a little over four years. Um, so just kind of around that, right, I, I learned a lot about myself within coaching and within basketball. Uh, but I really did learn that my favorite part of coaching basketball was actually the development, the relationship building, the connections, and just learning the flow of people. Right. So my my ultimate decision to step away from coaching, uh, what, what it was tough, uh, but the reality being a new head coach, I was young. I was about 24, 25 when I took that position. I had a lot of learning to do on top of the slim resources at a small university. Uh, and that was tough enough for me. But that combined with the challenges I faced around my identity, um, I do ident identify as biracial. I am also part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and I am a woman, so I have some three-piece intersectionality there, but that showed up um, in microaggressions. It showed up in unprofessionalism. I faced some discrimination. I, I faced a lot of disrespect, and it, it really depleted me. Um, so I, I made the ultimate decision to step away, and once I did, I realized I missed that development, that relationship building, and that flow of people. So I bottled up my knowledge and experience around coaching and I started a business that serves culture and organizational development, team building, leadership development, and officially made my transition from basketball coach to culture coach. Uh, value became my new vehicle. I stepped away from basketball as a vehicle and, and valued became my new vehicle. And we're a black owned, woman owned, certified LGBT business enterprise. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I became a certified diversity professional and we work now with organizations on their leadership on their culture, and within that comes their diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies. Wow, I love that. As I mentioned, you left us with many takeaways at the Can We Talk seminar. 
um, such as respecting the identity and sexuality of others does not require a person to change their beliefs. Um, you also discuss the importance of self-education and not putting expectation on marginalized groups to constantly teach others and how we all have to retrain our minds and relearn things we thought we knew. Can you talk more about these? Absolutely. So I'll kind of start with that first point, right, of, of respecting the identity and sexuality of others does not require a person to change their beliefs. Um, I've actually had very in-depth conversations with people around this topic because people come to me and, well, we want them to change. It's like, yeah, we want them to change, but we're all adults, right? But if we're trying to change somebody with our instilled values and who we are and our experiences, that's not going to change. That's who we are. So respecting people is something that I talk about a lot within, within this space. Respecting one another is a behavior. It's not a belief. So we are about behaviors, not not beliefs. We are worried about developing skill sets to assist people learning how to collaborate and cooperate and communicate with people of marginalized communities, right? We're allowed to disagree. We're allowed to think differently. That's part of diversity, right? Diversity of thought, diversity of perspective, diversity in experiences. That's part of diversity. And we want to continue to do that. But that is not an excuse to treat people um, dis with disrespect. So every human deserves to be respected. Every human deserves to be treated fairly and with kindness, regardless of our beliefs. We can still agree that we should be treating people as fairly as possible with kindness and continue to bring that human aspect to all interactions we have. I'll Then I'll touch base on that second one. So that was kind of that first point. You said, um, you know, as we discussed the importance of self-education, right? And not putting expectations on marginalized groups to, to teach. The biggest and most important part of being an ally is putting in the work. You're only an ally when you're in action, right? So I also like to reiterate that anyone can be an ally of any marginalized group, mm -hmm. again, when in action, right? So ally is frequently associated with the LGBTQ plus community, but we can also be allies to those with disabilities. We can also be those allies to those with in the black community with that are veterans with veteran status, um, allies to the Hispanic and Latinx communities and many other marginalized populations. I also like to say it's important for people to be allies of their own communities, which again, you are only an ally when you're in action. So that often gets overlooked, right? We can still be allies to each other, even when we're in that community. Um, so I also like to point that out, but in regards to, you know, the self-education piece and not putting expectations on marginalized groups to teach others, it oftentimes the burden of educating others or the work for change falls on those in the marginalized community. And that in turn creates more work and more emotional trauma and more hardship for people that are already enduring enough burden. So it's important to understand again, that that self-education piece is so huge in this work that we're doing. You have to put in the work. You have to show up. You have to read, go find some resources, do your own work so that we can show up next to the community that we're serving next to. I love how you encapsulated that. Appreciate that. And then I, I guess I'll touch on that last point, right? So how we all have to retrain our minds. We have to relearn things that we thought we knew. 
That's a huge part of allyship. That's the one of the biggest parts of allyship. So the Rochester Racial Justice Toolkit defines allyship. I use this in your in the presentation when I when I came um, to your seminar. But this is one of my best and most favorite definitions of allyship, and it's long. So uh, prepare yourself. But it's mm-hmm. it's just the best definition I've ever heard. But it's allyship is a proactive, ongoing, and incredibly difficult practice of unlearning and reevaluating in which a person of privilege works in solidarity and partnership with marginalized groups of people to help take down the systems that challenge the group's basic rights, equal access, and ability to thrive in our society. I know it's mouthful, but again, oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the, 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 well, thank you for that. It's helpful. It is. I, I, it's one of my favorite definitions. I think it's so helpful. And I would love again for this just to be everywhere because allyship and being an ally gets used so just easily. It gets thrown around. It's this word that, oh, I know somebody who's part of the LGBT community. So I'm an ally. Oh, right. I have a friend that's black. So I'm an ally. It's again, I'll re- say it again. I've said it. You're only an ally when you're in action. Knowing someone isn't enough. It's this relearning. It's this retraining and becoming to coming to terms with what you know and what you don't know, becoming aware that you're unaware. And that's one of the biggest pieces of being an ally. How do I retrain what I thought I knew? Because you probably don't know everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I'd like to introduce our 2023 Platinum sponsor, USA Mortgage. Here to tell us a little bit more is Katie Otto. Thank you, Kylie. USA Mortgage absolutely loves supporting St. Louis Realtors. The Realtor initiatives of fair housing and protecting personal property rights are extremely important to us. USA Mortgage is a local company. We started here in St. Louis 22 years ago with our corporate office right down the street from St. Louis Realtors. We have since grown to be licensed in 49 states with over 100 locations across the country. One of the things that I think sets us apart at USA Mortgage is our marketing department. We have a commitment to marketing and technology, and we want to be a resource to help you grow your business. So be sure to reach out to your local USA Mortgage Loan Officer to learn more about how we can do that. Most importantly, we want to help you get your clients into the home of their dreams, because at USA Mortgage, we are the home of possibility. And now, let's get back to the show. So also during your presentation, you mentioned some really startling statistics about how it impacts an individual's mental and emotional health when gender pronouns they identify with are used to address them. Can you talk more about that? Absolutely. So, you know, pronouns and pronoun training has become a very large part of the LGBT community. And it's tough. I think relearning the way you've always communicated, relearning to put words in different places is is hard. But it is so important that pronouns are used accordingly in this community. There are how every individual wants to be addressed. And it's again, out of that respect we talked about, it's respect for their identity. So I I like to always say, yes, chosen names and pronouns has shown a decrease in depression and suicide rates in the LGBT community. So these aren't just things that people are just doing just to do. It's, It's a part of their identity. It means something. It holds weight because it's making this space for people to fit and it's being addressed in the way that they feel. And again, it's not about your belief, it's about your behavior to respect people and how they wanna be addressed. 
And this is where this comes. So yes, these, these rates and these statistics of just using the pronouns, using chosen names, it does not have to be a big thing, right? But it can have such a big impact on somebody's personal life experience. I think of it this way, right? Using a chosen name. If somebody has a nickname and they choose to go by that, we're, we have we have no problem doing that. If someone's name is Catherine and they want to be called Katie, right? We can do that easily. Or Matthew, we call him Matt, right? It's the same thing using a chosen name. You are right. And, yeah, that's yeah, never really a problem. It's not. And it's out of respect, right? So again, so I've met somebody who's didn't want to be addressed as their full name and went by a nickname because they didn't have a great relationship with their father who they were named after, right? So if this is something that triggers or is it a, it's a personal choice, I don't want to be called that. Please respect my wishes. That's, that's where we're coming from. And I also like to say pronouns are important because a lot of, it's not even necessarily <laughs> for the LGBT community, but just pronouns in general, as we continue to navigate this remote virtual world with people who have gender neutral names, such as myself, Micah can be a, a boy's or a girl's name. So I like to put my pronouns on there just so when someone's emailing me back for the first time, they know how to address me. Um, so again, there's just little nuanced pieces of pronouns and the importance of them that can be implemented throughout so many aspects of life. But it is very, I don't want to take away how important it is to make sure we're respecting them within the LGBT community. It has a large impact. You are right. Um, and actually, uh, it's funny that when we were having this conversation before, one day I was just driving down the street and I started thinking about how a lot of times, just what you said, your name is Micah, when people hear your name and they refer to you in a conversation with someone else in our minds, we already make so many different assumptions about who the person is. If someone says Sam, you're thinking, oh, Sam is, Sam is a man, but Sam doesn't have to be a man. So yeah, it, it is something to really think about and consider. Absolutely. So can you share uh, some challenges that you believe the LGBTQ plus community face uh, during their home buying process? Yeah, absolutely. I think just with one, you know, one space is always just how, how bias shows up, right? Because everything we do involves people and people that are making decisions and coming up with their own assumptions or bias. So we'd all like to believe that we're open-minded, fair, and without bias, but you know, research shows otherwise. And this is important, even if it's an uncomfortable realization for us, right? So we all have these biases. We all have these automatic assumptions or these unconscious thoughts that we make towards others. And they're often based on stereotypes, either positive or negative. And we act on these bias without even recognizing that we're doing it a lot of the time. So within that space of, of home buying in the process, right? Bias can show up anywhere that there's people within the banks, within lenders and appraisals with realtors. And, and because they all have them, we all have bias because of how we were raised, because of our life experiences, where we grew up, who we interacted with and, and having their own personal assumptions based on those experiences, they can show up in the way we behave, the way we think, the way we communicate, they can show up in microaggressions. They can just show up in regular conversations or things we avoid. So yeah, they can show up in a lot of places within the home buying process. 
So can you share how realtors can better be allies to the community in this respect during the home buying process? Absolutely. I think one of one of the biggest ones that I mentioned before is just having, you know, the pronouns and given names and chosen names, right? That those opportunities for clients to put those on forms um, to get that clarity. And then again, that's just showing respect. I, the littlest things again within this space can have such a huge impact. I'm such a quote person, right? Little things are big things. So if you could just, even when we're signing up to, you know, an inquiry on that form, ask for pronouns, ask for chosen names or how they want to be addressed within that space. That's going to help you avoid making those assumptions that you mentioned, Felicia, whether it's Sam, right? If someone just puts Sam down and you think you're going to meet a heterosexual couple at a house and then you walk up and it's two women, right? Oh, I didn't know. I had made an assumption that Sam was a man. These are things that you can avoid by, and these assumptions you can avoid by simply asking, right? You can use inclusive language. So when we're having these conversations, just making sure that we're using names appropriately, we are asking questions, right? The, the appropriate questions that we're including everyone in the way that we speak. Again, pronouns is a big part of that. And I always like to say, if you don't know a pronoun, use their name or use they, them, right? Use their name. When in doubt, use their name. Um, another big thing I think realtors can do to be better allies is to use comprehensive listening, right? Where we're where we're listening to understand, we're acknowledging the space that we take up and we're just listening. What are your needs? What are you looking for, right? Not making those assumptions yet again or, or trying to solve problems, just listen. And then finally, I would like to say holding yourself accountable and others accountable. So when we're using pronouns, when we're addressing people, when we are in the community, when we're representing our are the are St. Louis Realtors, right? Are we holding ourselves to a standard? Are you holding each other to a standard? And when we make a mistake, are we helping each other hold each other accountable so that we can respond and recover from mm -hmm. these mistakes? Or are we just brushing it off and not addressing it and acting like it never happened? Um, so I think all of those right there are going to be key um, steps in, in helping you be better allies. Right. Well, you definitely have given us a lot to think about, but I feel like every time I talk to you, you're giving me something to think about, something that I need to think about working on. So it's been super, super helpful to have these conversations with you. Micah, thank you for sharing your insight and perspective on this important topic. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so exciting to be here. Uh, I just appreciate the work you're doing and knowledge you. you're wanting to spread and engage in in this space, right? And I think as we continue to just move through DEIB space, and understanding that it's not just DEIB, right? It's just being a human, being kind, continuing to have compassion and respect and humility as we continue to interact, engage, and connect with people. So again, thank you so much for this. It's been a pleasure being here. And how can people who want to connect with you on social media do so? Absolutely. You could first reach out on my website, uh, www.valued-consulting.com. Um, you can have some, there's some space in there for you to submit an inquiry, uh, but our socials are valued LLC. So you can find us on Facebook or Instagram, or you can find me and connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Micah Mims, M-I-C-H-A-M-I-M-S. Thank you so much. And I, and I look forward to continue to engage, engage with you. And 
um, I look forward to seeing all the other wonderful things that I know that you're going to do in this space. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. If you are interested in learning more about our DEI initiatives, check out our website at stlrealtors.com forward slash DEI. And thanks again and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors. Join us next time for more on real estate news, trends, and industry insights. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate.